Have you ever wondered what to do if the prophet says something you don't agree with? Hi, and welcome to Twain Talk for Latter-day Saints, your questions and clear answers. I'm Tiffany Thomas, and I'm here to help guide you through gospel topics in a way that makes sense to you. It's easy to feel lost when there are so many different voices out there telling you right from wrong. It can be hard to know what to do when you have questions. We're going to take the common gospel questions that you as teens and tweens have and answer the why, what, and how about them. We'll go into the doctrines and principles so you can figure out how to apply them to your own life. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you listen to the first four podcasts in order first, or you'll miss out on a lot and be a little lost. And if you need something to draw or sketch during this podcast while you're listening, I've got some coloring pages on my website, savingtalents.com forward slash podcast. You can also find the references and transcript for this podcast there. And then you can find me, Tiffany, on Instagram and Facebook as Saving Talents or on TikTok as Tween Talk LDS. Hey everyone, welcome back to Tween Talk for Latter-day Saints. I'm really excited to have you here. And as I told you last week, this week we're gonna be talking about following the prophet. Since that's something that we really need to understand as we dig deeper into doctrines, principles, and applications. Uh, First, let's do a recap. Do you remember what those are? The doctrine is the deep stuff that never changes. Things like we're children of God or the plan of salvation. The doctrines are the why of the gospel. Now, the principles are the commandments God gives us based on that doctrine. Tithing, the law of chastity, they answer the what, as in what am I supposed to do? Principles can change throughout history. For example, the children of Israel had clean and unclean foods, and we have the word of wisdom. Then there are the applications. These answer the how of the gospel. And this is where we get to choose on our own through direction of the Holy Ghost what we're supposed to do. And it's how we can be valiant and prove to Heavenly Father that we're trustworthy, which gets us into the celestial kingdom instead of the terrestrial kingdom. And to help us navigate all of these different things, we need prophets. Remember, the whole point of being here is to prove ourselves trustworthy, but how can we do that if we don't know what we're supposed to do or what the rules are? That's like going to school and getting a project from your teacher who says, go write an essay and doesn't give you any instructions at all. Well, how long should the essay be? What should the essay be about? One page, 10 pages, 200? I actually did have to do a 200-page project for one of my college classes one time. Brutal. But what does the teacher expect of this project? Do they want us to write a book report or maybe an essay for science about something we've studied or current event? Are they going to grade on spelling or punctuation? Should we type it or handwrite it? So let's say that you go ahead and try and write an essay and you get it back and the teacher has taken off points because you single spaced instead of double spaced and you put your name at the top left corner instead of the top right corner. Well, where's the fairness in that? They didn't tell you what to do. Hopefully your teacher is better than this and gives you a 
rubric and clear instructions, Heavenly Father calls a prophet to give us a rubric. The doctrine and the principles of the gospel are our grading rubric for life. Just like the teacher doesn't tell you every single word to write in the essay because that's your job, the prophet's not going to tell you every single thing that you need to do to apply the principles. The application is your job with the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, verses 26 through 27, says, For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same is a slothful and not a wise servant. Wherefore, he receiveth no reward. Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. So God doesn't want to command us in all things. He wants us to be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do things of our own choice. Otherwise, it's Satan's plan, remember? And doesn't anxiously engaged in a good cause kind of sound like another way of saying valiant? But people aren't perfect, right? We've talked about this. There are going to be people who don't want to listen to the prophet. Sometimes more and more people turn away from the prophet, and soon everybody just rejects the gospel. This is called apostasy. God allows the people to live in sin and wickedness for a while, but then when the time is right, he will always, always, always call another prophet. This is called a dispensation. Elder Bruce R. McConkie, a former member of the Quorum of the Twelve, said, whenever the Lord reveals the plan of salvation anew so that men do not have to rely solely upon prior dispensings from heaven, it is called a dispensation of the gospel. This may or may not involve a restoration of keys and powers and priesthoods. So we started out from the very beginning with a prophet. Do you know who that was? Adam. You know the primary song, Follow the Prophet? Adam was a prophet, first one that we know. Okay, I'll stop singing now. But then Cain killed Abel, and Cain's descendants were wicked. And soon, eventually, over generations, everybody fell into apostasy. God allowed that to happen, but when the time was right, he called Enoch to be a prophet, which started a new dispensation. Enoch created the city of Zion, and the city of Zion went to dwell with God, but the wicked were left on the earth, and the earth again fell into apostasy. Then a few generations later, God called Noah. You know, like Noah in the ark. This began another dispensation. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Dispensation, apostasy. Dispensation, apostasy. But God will always, always call another prophet when the world is ready for the church and priesthood to be on the earth again. And this pattern of dispensation, apostasy, happened all the way down until Joseph Smith had the first vision and was called to be the first prophet of this last dispensation. Do you know why it's called the last dispensation? Because there will never be another full apostasy where the church and prophets are taken away from the earth. 
this dispensation that we're living in right now is going to keep going on until the second coming of Jesus Christ. President Wilford Woodruff said, all inspired men from the days of Father Adam to the days of Jesus had a view more or less of the great and last dispensation of the fullness of times when the Lord would set his hand to prepare the earth and a people for the coming of the son of man and reign in righteousness. The scriptures also called this the dispensation of the fullness of times. This is when the world is being prepared for the second coming, which is going to happen soon. In previous dispensations, they actually didn't have all of the truth or even all of the priesthood ordinances. Did you know that they didn't even do baptisms for the dead until after Christ was resurrected? In the book of Alma, we learn that the plan of salvation wasn't even taught in full to the people, and even Alma himself didn't know what happened after death until after years of prayer and study and meditation. But this is the last dispensation. It has the fullness of the gospel. After the first vision, Joseph Smith was visited by the heads of each of the previous dispensations and given their different priesthood keys. John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John, Elijah, Elisha, Moroni, and others, they all visited Joseph and conferred their priesthood keys to him. We're going to talk more about priesthood keys in next week's podcast when we go way deep into the priesthood. But for now, we'll just read what Joseph Smith had to say about the matter. I hold the keys of the last kingdom, in which is the dispensation of the fullness of all things spoken by the mouths of all the holy prophets since the world began under the sealing power of the Melchizedek priesthood. So we know, based on prophecies from the Bible and the Book of Mormon, that there would be a last dispensation before the second coming. And Joseph Smith was told that this is the dispensation. Isn't that kind of a wonderful comfort and blessing? We are the only people in the history of the world to live in a time where we are guaranteed that the church will remain. It won't fall into apostasy or be taken from the earth or be destroyed or led astray. In the end of the Doctrine and Covenants, there are two important official declarations about changes to church policy that were kind of difficult for members to understand. So in the first declaration, President Woodruff said, the Lord will never permit me or any other man who stands as president of this church to lead you astray. It is not in the program. It is not in the mind of God. If I were to attempt that, the Lord would remove me out of my place, and so he will any other man who attempts to lead the children of men astray from the oracles of God and from their duty. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly comforting and reassuring. No matter what the world says, no matter the logic or the scientists, there is someone who speaks for God and God will not allow that someone to lead us astray. And that someone is the living prophet and current president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Amos chapter three, verse seven says, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. In second Nephi chapter three, verse 15, Nephi's brother Joseph prophesied about Joseph Smith being the prophet to restore the last dispensation. He even knew his name would be Joseph like himself. He said, and his name shall be called after me, and it shall be after the name of his father, and he shall be like unto me, for the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand, by the power of the Lord, shall bring my people unto salvation. In Doctrine and Covenants section 1, verses 17 and 38, it says, Wherefore I, the Lord, knowing the calamity which should come upon the inhabitants of the earth, calamity is like a really bad thing, by the way, called upon my servant Joseph Smith Jr. and spake unto him from heaven and gave him commandments. What I, the Lord, have spoken, I have spoken, and I excuse not myself. And though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass away, but shall all be fulfilled, whether by my own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. Isn't that amazing? God, knowing all of the horrible things that were going to happen in the last days, called Joseph Smith Jr. to be a prophet. And the Lord said himself, that we can know that when his chosen servants speak, it's the same as if the Lord himself is speaking. So how do we know this is true for ourselves? We can go ask God. After all, if someone just came up to you on the street and told you that they were speaking on behalf of someone else, you would probably want to check with the source first. For example, if someone at school came up to you and told you that the teacher said you didn't actually have to do your homework that night, wouldn't you want to check with the teacher first just to make sure? Or what if one of your siblings comes up to you and says, hey, mom says you're grounded? You'd probably check with your mom, right? Or if you get a phone call from someone claiming to be the government and you owe thousands of dollars in taxes and you have to pay right now or the police will be arresting you, you should probably check with the police first that there's not a warrant out for you. So why would this be any different? You can go to the source yourself. You can go to Heavenly Father and ask if Joseph Smith was a prophet. And then you can go to Heavenly Father and ask if the current prophet is the prophet and spokesman for God. In fact, each time a new prophet or apostle is called, you can go to the Lord again and get confirmation that that person really is speaking for him. Back when I was on my mission, I received a phone call one morning from my mission president who told us that President Gord Meehingly had passed away. We knew logically that the next prophet would be President Thomas S. Monson. The new prophet is almost always the apostle who has the most seniority. That means who's been an apostle the longest. But it is so important that the Lord confirms that, that even the other apostles all go to the temple together to fast and to pray to get that confirmation from God himself. 
And we can and should do the same thing. It's not a lack of faith to go to God and ask if the prophet really is the prophet. I still remember the overwhelming feeling that came over me when I knelt down in Barbados and prayed to know if President Monson really was the next prophet, the only man in the world who could speak for God and his wishes. DNC 132 verse 7 says, I have appointed unto my servant Joseph to hold this power, meaning to speak for God, in the last days. And there is never but one on the earth at a time on whom this power and the keys of the priesthood are confirmed. I repeated the same process when President Monson died and President Nelson became a prophet, and I received a similar confirmation. Now, are prophets and apostles perfect? No, they're not. Remember, only the Savior Jesus Christ was perfect. There are times when the prophet or apostle might speak their opinion, and they may be wrong. But those times are almost always about church policy and not doctrine. Policies are things like the organization of the church or who can have the priesthood. One example of this is when several years ago, the prophet and apostle said that children whose parents were in same-sex relationships couldn't be baptized until they were 18 years old. Then a few years later, the policy changed again, and those children could be baptized again, even under the age of 18. This was really hard for a lot of members. Some people lost their testimonies of the prophet and the church over this. After all, did it mean that someone was wrong? Did President Monson, who instituted that policy, do so incorrectly? Or did President Nelson give in to public pressure and revoke the changes three years later? It's really, really easy to think that because policy change occurred and then was reversed, that someone had to have been wrong. But why the change then? When the policy was first enacted, President Nelson, who was not the prophet then, said, filled with compassion for all, and especially for the children, we wrestled at length to understand the Lord's will in this matter. Ever mindful of God's plan of salvation and his hope for eternal life for his children, we considered countless permutations and combinations of possible scenarios that could arise. We met repeatedly in the temple in fasting and prayer and sought further direction and inspiration. And then when the Lord inspired his prophet, President Thomas S. Monson, to declare the mind of the Lord and the will of the Lord, each of us during that sacred moment felt a spiritual confirmation. It was our privilege as apostles to sustain what had been revealed to President Monson. Revelation from the Lord to his servants is a sacred process. And then three years later, when Elder Oaks, under the direction of President Nelson, made the announcement of the policy changing back, Elder Eyring said, one reason is that we need the Lord's direction to meet changing circumstances. 
and he has guided changes in practice and policy throughout the church. There are so many stories in scriptures about the Lord giving what seems to be conflicting guidance or even changing his mind. One example is Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And did you know, originally the Lord gave Moses different commandments before he gave the 10 commandments? God instituted the law of consecration before he changed it into tithing. When the church was first organized, black members were allowed to receive the priesthood. And then that policy changed and they couldn't for a long time. And then it was allowed again. And a similar thing occurred with polygamy. Principles and policies can change. Does this always mean that someone was wrong? No, it means that we are changing. Our hearts change, the world changes. Sometimes we aren't ready for a policy, so the Lord gives something else. Sometimes, like with Abraham and Isaac, it's a test of our faith. The Lord wants to see if we will follow his will instead of our own desires. Sometimes it's because the world is changing. I am extremely grateful to be born in a time where I can wear pants and jeans and still be considered modest, and I don't have to wear skirts to my feet and a corset. I'll be honest, I don't know the reason for every single thing. But if I did, then it wouldn't be faith, would it? There is an amazing speech from President Ezra Taft Benson, who was a former prophet, that he gave at BYU when he was in the Quorum of the Twelve. And it's called 14 Fundamentals and Following the Prophet. And if there were time, I would read it aloud to you because it is that good. But since I can't, I'm going to tell you to go to the website, savingtalents.com forward slash podcast, and encourage you to read it yourself. But in his speech, President Benson tells a story that President N. Eldon Tanner told him. One time, many years ago in general conference, the prophet at the time laid down some very specific responsibilities that everyone had. A man said to me, meaning President Tanner, after that, you know, there are people in our state who believe in following the prophet in everything they think is right. But when it is something they think isn't right and it doesn't appeal to them, then that's different. He, meaning President Tanner's friend, also said, then they become their own prophet. They decide what the Lord wants and what the Lord doesn't want. I, meaning President Benson, thought how true it was and how serious it is when we begin to choose which of the covenants, which of the commandments we will keep and follow. When we decide that there are some of them we will not keep or follow, we are taking the law of the Lord into our own hands and become our own prophets. And believe me, we will be led astray because we are false prophets to ourselves when we do not follow the prophet of God. No, we should never discriminate between these commandments as to those we should and should not keep. I love that because it's true. 
When we decide that the prophet must be mistaken or the apostles must be mistaken, we're saying we're our own prophets and we know the Lord's mind better than the prophet does. Second Nephi chapter nine, verses 28 through 29 says, oh, that cunning plan of the evil one. Oh, the vainness and the frailties and the foolishness of men. When they are learned, they think they are wise and they hearken not unto the counsel of God. For they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore, their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not, and they shall perish. But to be learned is good, if they hearken unto the counsels of God. Elder F. Enzio Bushi, and I probably just butchered his last name, but he said, if we do not decide to search out and accept the truth in the only way authorized by God, meaning by the prophets, with all our might, mind, and strength, even when it means changing our lives completely, we will have built our house on sand. The half-truths of men, often mingled with scripture, are sometimes strong enough to fulfill the expectations of the people for a season or for a generation, but they can neither bring them along the path of exaltation and eternal life, nor bring satisfying answers to the demanding problems of mankind in these days. Guys, we need to be very, very careful that we don't take these philosophies of men that are mingled with scripture in an attempt to show why we think the prophet's counsel shouldn't apply to us or is wrong. President Marion G. Romney tells of this incident which happened to him. I remember years ago when I was a bishop, I had President Heber J. Grant talk to our ward. After the meeting, I drove him home. Standing by me, he put his arm over my shoulder and said, my boy, you always keep your eye on the president of the church. And if he ever tells you to do anything and it is wrong and you do it, the Lord will bless you for it. Then with a twinkle in his eye, he said, but you don't need to worry. The Lord will never let his mouthpiece lead the people astray. Now, let's be clear, guys. Not everything that comes from the prophet's mouth is a commandment. But they do try to be very clear about what they are or are not telling people to do. For example, when the COVID vaccine became available, the church released a statement that said, as appropriate opportunities become available, the church urges its members, employees, and missionaries to be good global citizens and help quell the pandemic by safeguarding themselves and others through immunization. Individuals are responsible to make their own decisions about vaccination. In making that determination, we recommend that, where possible, they counsel with competent medical professional about their personal circumstances and needs. Does that sound like getting the vaccine is a commandment or a policy for the entire church? No, and they made that perfectly clear. But when it's general conference and the speakers are general authorities, 
who have fasted and prayed for weeks and even months over what to speak to us about and probably been submitted to the prophet and the counselors to go over, you'd better believe that it's being directed from the Lord. So what do we learn from all these scriptures and quotes and stories that I've shared with you? We should follow the prophet, even when we don't understand why, even when it seems dumb, even when it seems like counsel or suggestion rather than commandment, or even if it seems like something that you disagree with. Now, does that mean that you blindly follow everything? Again, absolutely not. You, as an individual, have every right to go to the Lord in prayer and counsel with him yourself. If you are disagreeing with the something the prophet has said as counsel or direction or policy or doctrine, then ask the Lord for help on how you can change your heart and follow, even when you're unsure. It's not easy. As you get older, some of the things that the prophet says or does might be hard. Some church policies might feel hurtful. And you might wonder how a God of love would allow his spokesman to say or do something that to you just seems wrong or doesn't make sense based on your limited knowledge. But remember, God has a master plan, and he has called his prophet to tell us what that plan is. We are following the flowcharts that we made, and the prophet is here to help us know which arrow to choose. And if you follow the prophet and you get to judgment day and you find out the prophet was wrong, are you going to be held accountable for it? No, but you will be held accountable for when the prophet was right and you were wrong. So for me, when it comes down to choosing between my own opinions or the prophet's opinion, I'm going to try to choose the prophet's opinion every single time. I'm going to try to change my heart and my desires to bring them in line with the Lord's will and his desires. And that's because I have a testimony of the prophet. And the best part is you can get that testimony for yourself. So until we meet again next week, I want to challenge you to gain a testimony of the living prophet for you. Ask Heavenly Father. Go ask him. Ask if President Nelson really speaks for him. Ask if the 12 apostles are called to speak for him, to share God's will with the world. And then ask for the courage to follow. I know that he will answer that prayer for you because he's answered it for me. So I'll see y'all next week. And we're going to talk more about the priesthood like what exactly the priesthood is, what priesthood keys are, and a little bit on why women don't have the priesthood. So I'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on Tween Talk for Latter-day Saints. I hope today's podcast helped you learn the what and why of the gospel questions so that you can figure out the how for yourself. If you have any gospel questions you want me to help answer, then just go on over to my website, savingtalents.com forward slash podcast and submit your question. 
And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Saving Talents or on TikTok as Tween Talk LDS. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Tiffany Thomas, giving you clear answers to your gospel questions. Keep praying, and I'll see y'all later.